for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to another episode of Education Matters presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Keith Poston. This episode, we're going to look at two topics centered on school funding. First, we're going to discuss the continuing debate over the new K-3 class size requirements passed by the General Assembly last year that school systems are warning will lead to major cuts in PE and arts programs. Then we're going to talk bigger picture with the, new, with the author of a new report about the efforts to change the state school funding system. Like every week before we tackle our main topic, we open with our segment we call Edlines. It's a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. Last week, leaders from the North Carolina House and Senate were joined by representatives from the UNC system and the state's private colleges and universities to announce legislation to create a new North Carolina Teaching Fellows program to recruit new teachers into the state's classrooms. The program would focus on STEM and special education where critical teacher shortages exist today. If approved, the program would provide forgivable loans of up to $8,250 per year for up to 160 students each year to attend one of five teacher preparation programs that will be selected by a new commission. The loans will be paid off by teaching in a North Carolina school with faster payoff for teaching in a low-performing school. North Carolina's original North Carolina Teaching Fellows Program was eliminated in 2011 and its last class of 500 teachers graduated in 2015. This new proposal comes at a time when the state's teacher prep programs are experiencing steep declines in new enrollment. Governor Roy Cooper delivered his first State of the State address this week before the North Carolina General Assembly. In his remarks, the governor emphasized areas where he hoped to find common ground and spent less time on some of the more headline-grabbing disagreements. Education priorities dominated his remarks, including early childhood education, raising teacher pay, and pitching his own version of a teacher scholarship program. Senate Leader Phil Berger delivered the Republican response, touting the GOP's track record of success, while also adding that Governor Cooper, Cooper squeaked into office with no mandate. North Carolina's Senate leaders have filed legislation they say will address school infrastructure needs and, a school, administ and school administrator pay. The proposed legislation would use proceeds from the North Carolina lottery to fund principal pay increases through bonuses and salary bumps that will be set by local school districts. The bill also would create a grant program for school construction in the neediest counties. Now, while school leaders praised the focus on principal pay and infrastructure, there was less enthusiasm about the idea of what amounts to block grants to districts for principal pay as opposed to directly funding base salary increases. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click Education Matters, and read more about each of these headlines as well as other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top, this episode we're talking school funding. And up first, we're going to explore the K-3 class size mandate, an issue we've discussed before, but it's a big one and it's still in search of a resolution. And we have two guests who are gonna help us understand what this is all about. Uh, we have Catherine Joyce. Catherine is the Executive Director of the North Carolina Association of School Administrators, so she's been working on this issue. And then we have Dr. Tim Markley. Um, Dr. Markley is the Superintendent of New Hanover County Schools. Thank you both for being here. All right, I'm going to start with you, Catherine, um, uh, because I know you've been spending some time at the General Assembly talking about this issue. So in a nutshell, why are we, why are we talking about it? So what is the issue that you're trying to address and what, was the, you know, what is the impact of the new class size mandates, the hard caps that were put in the, in the budget last year? 
A law change that was included in the 2016 state budget is going to require our school districts starting in the 2017-18 school year to set up their kindergarten first, second and third grade classrooms at a set number, then allowing those uh, districts to set up classrooms with previous exceptions that allowed them to exceed set numbers. So there were averages that school districts could had to could, had to meet, average across a, a kindergarten, first grade, second grade, but this new, this actually sets a hard cap per classroom, is that right? Absolutely, so in kindergarten, our districts will have to set up those classrooms with 18 students rather than having a district average of 21 students. Okay. And so what that's doing is forcing our districts to spend more of their classroom teacher dollars in grades K through three. That in effect is going to squeeze out teachers that are funded with that same funding stream that includes some of our art, music, and PE teachers as well as forcing larger classes in our grades four through 12. So that's why we're, so, so that's really why we're talking about arts and PE and music teachers uh, a lot right now is because they're the ones that I, to, to meet the requirement or, or where we would expect. Now I'm gonna ask you, Dr. Markley, this is, um, I mean, you're obviously looking at it. So why, I mean, this came up last year. I mean, this was passed in the budget in the summer of 2016. Why are we, why is it so hot right now? I mean, why is this such a big deal? Well, there's a couple of reasons. We saw the legislation coming last year. <clears throat> we saw where the House passed a, a solution unanimously. So we were hoping that by the time we got to our budget season, the Senate would have concurred and, and made a fix. But we're going to be starting, in fact, I'm heading back today after this to start budget preparation with my school board and have to talk about this. This is potentially, in my district, 48 teachers that I'll have to convert to kindergarten uh, first or second grade teachers. And those will come primarily from art, music, PE, and AIG in our district. All right, so that's 48 in New Hanover County you're looking at. Now, I think we've got some numbers we're going to pull up on the screen. Um, um, that, uh, you know, Catherine, your, your folks have been looking at the numbers to, to make an estimate about what kind of um, impact this is going to have statewide. I mean, this, I mean if, if it's a hard cap, something's got to give, right? So, uh, so what are you looking at overall? Correct. So what we're looking at statewide, we think this is in the range of 5,500 teachers statewide that our school districts may have to begin sending notices to in the next few weeks that they're not going to be able to retain them for next school year. So those are art, music, and PE teachers, as well as teachers in other grades. Right. Now, now um, Tim mentioned that the House uh, passed, uh, you know, what, I mean, it's not a complete fix. I think we, it actually you know, will still have an impact on, um, on headcount uh, as far as uh, uh, meeting the requirement, but passed it 114 to nothing. I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty rare in the House to see something like that. I think it'd be, it'd be hard to get a, uh, uh, a unanimous vote to, you know, honor Mother Teresa or something, but, <laughs> but yet it, it, the Senate seems to be less interested in, in moving on it. Why? Well, I think our Senate is trying to be very deliberative in looking at how districts have been spending their, their funding for classroom teachers. Have they been lowering class sizes in those early grades as they have requested when additional funding has been put into classroom teachers in the last few years? They, in fact, asked our organization to conduct a survey of districts statewide to have districts res respond on how many enhancement teachers, the art, music, PE teachers they've been funding. So we've provided that information to them. We're hopeful that the information is giving them the information that they need to see there is a need for some relief provided by the General Assembly and they can move forward in a positive way in the next few weeks to help our districts retain all the all the teachers that our students needs in, in, in all of our grades. Yeah, so that's, I mean, Tim, that's what, I mean, we've heard that. I've heard that too, that the, the, the General Assembly 
says, we gave you the money. I mean, you, we, we're, we've already asked you to lower class sizes. We've given you, I mean, the estimate is $200 million over the last five years. Um, why haven't you been lowering class sizes, or have you been? If you, come, if you look at our district, we've been lowering class sizes. Have we lowered them to the level that the state says that they, that they were once at? No, but we've been, every year they've lowered class sizes, we've lowered class sizes. But you allot the teachers on a 1 to 18 basis, and then you're allowed to have an average of as a district, three higher, 21. In some classes, you, you can go to 24. So we use that difference between the allotment and the average to fund those positions. And the state and past legislation has said we need to provide for art, music, and PE. But they don't give me a separate allotment for okay. that. So this is the way that we make that happen in our schools. Yeah, so in the simplest terms, again, uh, uh, you know, if, if you've got if you got three classes that are overcrowded, you've got to add. So we didn't, we haven't talked about yet the space needs. You got to, you've got to spread out those three if they're all over into I don't know five classrooms. So you need two more classroom spaces and two more teachers. Is that, am yeah, I right? The way the law is written now, if I'm over by one in a in a school, then I'm going to, have to create an entirely different classroom. So in my district, at certain schools, it's potentially 40 classroom spaces that I have to find now for these additional classes. We went and looked at every space in some of these buildings and took out art and music rooms, took out computer labs, and we're still going to be 40 classrooms short. Well, this is, um, I mean, your folks must be getting a little nervous. It's March, Catherine. I say your folks, you represent the school administrators across North Carolina. Um, are they preparing, um, like Dr. Markley said, to um, you know, start uh, letting teachers know that their jobs are probably not coming back next year? Unfortunately, they have to prepare now. Um, the law is on the books. They have to prepare for next school year. And there's a, there's a whole set timeline that districts have to follow in regards to notifying teachers who may not be retained next year. There's a due process timeline that has to be met. So those teachers, the 5,500 we've been talking about, they have to receive notices in the next few weeks if they, if they are not expected to be able to be um, on staff next year. Right. So it's well, difficult. Well, we're going to keep track of this. Oh, one last question is before we go to break. I, you know, we, uh, Charter schools are actually one of the faster growing segments in North Carolina. I haven't heard any mention about charter schools in this. Are they not affected? They are not affected because charter schools have no class size mandates okay. like our traditional public schools. All right. Well, thank you both for being here. We're going to keep following this. Uh, I hope that uh, it helped our viewers understand a little bit more about the impact. But when we come back, we're going bigger picture on school funding with the author of a new report about school funding. As we go to break, see if you can answer this question. What are the projected costs of the facility needs for North Carolina public schools over the next five years? Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer E? There are eight billion in facility needs across the state, including repairs, renovations, additions, and new buildings. Now let's welcome our next guest who has spent a lot of time studying state budgets, including education. He is Chris Nordstrom. Chris is a policy analyst at the North Carolina Justice Center. And I should point out that Chris also spent nine years uh, in, with the fiscal research staff um, at the North Carolina General Assembly. So um, you were the go-to guy. I know with our organization, you were one of the people that helped us understand the budget. So thank you for being here to help no our viewers understand these things. Um, I mentioned that Chris is the author of a new report. Uh, we, you know, I've got it right here, and, and we're going to have a link to it on our website um, at ncforum.org, and you can also go to ncjustice.org and find it. Financing Education in North Carolina. Um, well, let's talk about that. Um, 
uh, sort of uh, as we talk about, so what is sort of the um, sort of some of your takeaways when you look at uh, school funding in North Carolina? You and I have talked before mm -hmm. about the issues of adequacy, um, sure. and um, sort of what do you arrive at, or what do you talk about in this report? Uh, well, I hope the report serves as a good resource for parents, teachers, other advocates within the public school system, and um, other stakeholders. But um, one of the takeholders, one of the um, takeaways, is understanding that the elements of a public school finance system, and two of the important ones are adequacy and equity. Um, so when we talk about equity, you know, we have got very diverse school districts in the state. We've got big districts, small districts. Um, poor districts and right. wealthier districts. And so equity looks at the extent to which fun school funding is distributed according to those needs. And that's, um, and that's where, I mean, things like the low wealth uh, supplemental funding, small county, that, that, mm -hmm. those were created years ago to address Children, issues disabilities, of, of yeah, equity. Language. That was yeah. about equity. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there are a number of allotments the state provides to try to address those needs um, in accordance with each district's needs. Um, but the second piece, the important piece to understand is adequacy. Um, adequacy is really the extent to which the state provides, state or locals, provides sufficient resources, um, be the high quality teachers, support staff, books, um, so forth, to ensure that each student has the ability to graduate from school, career, or college ready. Right. Now, um, the General Assembly is obviously looking at it. I think they're calling you know, an, you know, education finance reform. Uh, mm -hmm. they're, they're, I think there's a, there's a bill that's been uh, passed out in the House to, to create a task force to look at it. Now, um, is the General Assembly planning on looking at either adequacy or equity based on what you've seen so far? Unfortunately, no. Okay. Um, the legislation creating the task force does not require the task force to look at equity or adequacy. Um, unfortunately, the bill only is asking the task force to complete, come up with a completely revamped system of funding public schools in North Carolina. And that's really uh, really putting the cart in front of the horse. Um, it, there's, um, you know, if we don't know how well the system is working, you know, it doesn't necessarily make sense to totally revamp the system. Right, so are we, we, don't know, are we actually investing enough to meet every child or are we just simply changing um, the way we deliver the money? I mean, that, that, I guess that would be part of the question. So we, we've talked about this before on the program and try to explain it. It can get real wonky really fast, but mm -hmm. we, we've talked <laughs> about allotments. We actually mm -hmm. went through with uh, uh, the, uh, one of the analysts from the program evaluation division about you've got, right now we allot for okay, teachers and textbooks and certain yes. things. You heard Superintendent Markley talking about there used to be allotments for certain kinds of teachers. Um, what, are the, what is the General Assembly kind of looking at or directing it, uh, um, the task force to look at now? So what the task force is being asked to do is to look at creating a new system where instead of having individual allotments for things like teachers, principals, children with disabilities, uh, uh, low-income students, uh, what instead would, they would do is what's called a weighted student formula, where there would be a base amount provided on behalf of each student in the public schools, and then additional amounts would be provided for students with certain characteristics or students in districts that have certain characteristics. At the end of the day, they're really just two different ways, you know, barring some small sort of technical differences that we can get into and if you want right, to get into right, the weeds. Right. But at the end of the day, they're really two different ways of essentially doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether you provide money via allotments or via this weighted student formula, what the district cares about in the end is how much money they're getting. 
and whether that money is um, adequate to actually yeah, and, educate and, all their students. And I know we've had, um, uh, we had Representative Craig Horn on, uh, who's been one of the leaders on this, and he talked about the issue of transparency and being able to, it's, the, a lot of the system is so comp, convoluted. Mm -hmm. Some fair points, right? I mean, sure. that. Uh, so, I mean, so what are the um, I don't know potential positives and potential downsides um, of of any of these systems, or does it really come back to what is your intent in the I, first place? I think I think it, uh, definitely there's no magic to one system or the other. You know, there are states with weighted student formulas that are very inequitable. There are states with weighted students formulas that are equitable. There are states with weighted student formulas that uh, are inadequate and those that are adequate. So what really matters is not so much which system you're using, what matters more are the policy decisions made by uh, the politicians um, within that system to make sure that whatever system you choose to make sure that it is equitable and adequate. Is, um, in, in, in this report, and there's a lot of good information, I encourage our folks to go take a look at it. What is the biggest, in, in your view, I mean as someone who's been mm -hmm. in, in, the, in the middle of this for a decade, um, sort of the biggest gap and the biggest challenge in our school funding system overall? Not, not about the, again, not the structure, sure. but sort of it's like, where's, where are the problem areas? Uh, I think it really does come down to adequacy. Uh, you know, we've never performed a ser sort of serious analysis of uh, school funding adequacy in the state, which is really something I hope the task force actually takes upon themselves. Um, you know, if you look at our state, our funding per student, we rank 44th. You know, you can also look at um, effort you know, the extent to which we spend money on schools in relation to the size of our state's economy, uh, there we rank 40th. So there's a lot of room there uh, that the state could use to increase the adequacy of its public schools. Well, well we're definitely going to keep talking about this, um, uh, you know, over the next few months as it moves forward because it obviously is critical. The resources we just heard on the issue with the K-3 class size makes a big difference. But, Chris, thanks for being on the show and helping Thank us you. understand a little bit more, and we look forward to continuing to talk to you. Thanks. After the break, this week's Leadership Spotlight. Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from you, our viewers. Building a school from the ground up is no easy task, but Dr. Sandy Chambers is embracing the challenge. She is the principal of Hortons Creek Elementary School in Wake County, which is opening in the fall. Take a look. Leadership Spotlight is presented by the NC STEM Center, strategies that engage minds. I am very excited about starting a new school in Wake County. I am the only person officially hired at the moment, so I'm excited about being able to hire all of the staff and actually get to visit the school and see the building process and plan just our schedule, where all the students will be in the building. 
I am looking for innovative staff, people who are ready to do school differently, people who are ready to think differently, who are ready to uh, question the way we've always done things. And I'm hoping that our students will just get a different school experience where they may have a rotating daily schedule. They may have recess or writing at different times. I want them to experience school in a way that they can be excited about what does the next day bring. Watching the construction process unfold has been wonderful. Looking at the floor plans, I need to know where the cafeteria is going to be, the gym, the media center, all these aspects of the building are very crucial in planning. Also, the outside of the building is just as important with uh, arrival and dismissal, with the, the playground, the, the walking track that we'll have, and where teachers will park. Those are also integral parts of the planning process. So 100 days, you're really going to be finished? We'll be ready days? for you and your staff in 100 days. So when we open this fall, I see so much excitement in the air. This school, because I am the principal, is going to be an amazing school that is going to have a lot of innovation, a lot of technology, a lot of staff that's super excited and ready to challenge the students. When our doors open, it's going to be so much fun. If you know someone who deserves to be recognized, please visit our website, ncforum.org, and click on Education Matters, and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community. After the break, this week's final word. Last week, I attended the press conference where the legislation to create a new North Carolina Teaching Fellows Program was announced. Two leaders of key education committees at the North Carolina General Assembly, Representative Craig Horn and Senator Chad Barefoot, unveiled the proposed framework flanked by leaders from our state's universities. As many of you already are aware, the public school forum of North Carolina that I lead and that is responsible for this show helped create the original North Carolina Teaching Fellows Program and we administered it on behalf of the state for 29 years until it was eliminated in 2011. So I attended the press conference with more than just a passing interest in the program. The proposal that I heard was a, that was spelled out was a solid one. It focuses on two areas where we have critical teacher shortages today. Science, technology, engineering, and math, or STEM education, and special education. It also provides incentives for teaching in a low-performing school, the kinds of schools that tend to have the hardest time attracting and keeping teachers. Targeting high-need subjects in hard-to-staff schools is a smart bet. I've met so many teaching fellows, former teaching fellows, since joining the public school forum. They're not hard to find. They're working and teaching in every county in North Carolina, and many others can be found serving in other ways outside the schoolhouse. I've heard from many this past week asking questions about this proposal who are excited about the prospect that teaching fellows may get a second act. At the Public School Forum, we've said before, there's not one single answer to address our teacher pipeline challenges. Paying our teachers what they deserve and making sure they have the resources to do their job certainly ranks near the very top for us. But we've also maintained that bringing back a teacher scholarship program was needed. That's because we believe a program like Teaching Fellows did more than just simply add numbers to our teacher workforce. It sent a message that North Carolina values the teaching profession enough to invest real dollars to pay for what is an increasingly expensive proposition to attend college to become a teacher. 
This proposal is a step in the right direction. That's it for this week's Education Matters. Next week's show, we will have as our guest a nationally recognized researcher who has studied private school voucher programs like our state's Opportunity Scholarship Program. Make sure you tune in. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.